special speaker, not a guest speaker because he's a homeboy. Uh, I've been in ministry for many, many, many years, uh, over 30 years, pastoring for a, a long time. And every once in a while, God sends people into your world that you look at them and you go, I was supposed to be your pastor. And I was supposed to be your friend. You ever meet people like that? That right when you meet them, you're like, we're family. Raise your hand. We family. Well, when this guy came into our world, his whole family we felt this way about. But when he came into our world, we're like, this is family right here. And he just dove in. He didn't waste any time. His second Sunday, he dove in with everything that he had. Serving, giving, sharing, making us laugh. And I've already heard what he is going to speak to you today. You are in for It's incredible. You got to get on the edge of your seat. Come on, we are amen in church. So I want, I want you to give some good hills amen in today. But I want you, you're going to be taking some notes. So get your notepad ready. Get your device ready. However you take notes. And get your amen ready and get your heart ready because you're going to receive something great today. Would you give a great big Hills family welcome to our very own Jared Johnson, y'all. Yeah. Oh, now, Pastor John told me y'all were going to be on vacation and look at all these people in here. Not nervous at all. Real loosey-goosey about it. Yeah, this... No. I am so glad to be here, and no, this is not generosity time or any of the things that you typically see me doing. This is, this is a real deal. No, this is what an honor to be speaking before you people and to be speaking at the hills. Uh, just thank you, Pastor John and Kristen, for giving me this opportunity, and thank you to my wife, Madison, the smoking hot bassist that was standing right here. Because she's probably heard this about 50 times at this point, so, um, so this won't be new to her, but... This place is so special to me because you all here, Pastors John and Kristen, you guys found me at a really pivotal moment in my life and in my walk, and you reminded me of who I was and who God made me to be whenever the town out there, the city of Nashville, almost made me forget it. So it's it's a privilege to be up here today, for sure. And you guys, you might just so happen to hold my future and ministry in your hands. So if you guys could go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Man, already getting started well. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, a couple amens. I think my parents are going to be here later. So, I don't want to walk home today. So, please, thank you. But, um, so when Pastor John, um, we we spoke about me getting to to speak here, he's like, you can speak about anything you want. Like, that narrows it down to the Bible. So, cool. Awesome. But, In my study, it became pretty enlightening. There's so many characters in the Bible that we can look at, and their lives and the situations that they find themselves in mimic our own and mimics things that we're going through. But but I'm coming to realize that as a church, our spirit as a church, we can collectively reflect certain characters in the Bible. We can mimic them. And and while I was studying, I, I couldn't get the disciple Peter off of my mind. You know, that, that could be nothing, or that could be a call for us to look yeah. back, look at the life of Peter, and see if there's something that we can glean from, his, uh, from his, his story. And I believe the life and the arc of the character of Peter will resonate with the people here of the hills. Because we have a church of givers and servants. We have a church of people that say yes far more times than they say no. Amen. So let's do a cr- quick crash course on the disciple Peter. So Peter was born with the name Simon. He was a fisherman by trade. Um, he was a natural leader. If, if you ever know much about Peter, he was uh, just a born leader. He was very bold, 
very passionate, to say the least. If, if you've studied him, he's, he's one of the kinds of people that speaks before he thinks a little bit of the time. Um, so me, myself, I'm a mechanical engineer by trade. So literally since, I mean, backstage right up here, I've just been thinking about numbers and math and science because my brain is a computer, and that, that is what, that's what I'm passionate about. So I've been dying to show a graph and some data to you guys since I got up here. You guys going to indulge me a little this morning? Well, either way, I'm wearing a microphone, so you have to indulge me a little bit this morning. So to further our understanding of Peter and his story, I've created Peter's Passion Timeline. Hit him with it. Wow. And in Hills branded colors. I mean, come on. So this graph here reflects the passion that Peter has for Jesus in various instances in his life. So we start here. Simon is called by Jesus. He was a fisherman. He was out on a boat. He was called by Jesus to say, hey, come follow me. Be a fisher of men. His passion increases. Naturally, he follows Jesus. He must be pretty, pretty gung-ho about it. Next instance, you'll see Simon becomes Peter. The world had called Simon Simon his whole life. If you look at the Greek meaning for Simon, it means a reed swayed by the wind. Jesus comes in and says, I don't care what the world has called you. I call you Peter, which wasn't really a common name. It's it's the word Petros. It means rock. I will call you rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Naturally, Peter responds pretty well to that from a passion standpoint. (laughs) So Peter's passionate, and I would say it's a steady increase until the last days of Jesus. Um, So you see, Jesus has these moments before he goes to the cross where he has these intimate conversations with his disciples, including Peter. And he's talking of his betrayal, his imminent death and resurrection. And we get a, a sneak peek on these conversations, thankfully, because John captured it so well in the book of John. Um... And I would say Peter, slightly confused with what's going on, but still super on fire about it. So you see, in John 13, verse 36, it reads, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay my life down for you. Peter is on fire. Slightly confused, I would say, about what is really happening, but he is on fire He's, I would love you, Lord. I would give my life for you. We've had these moments. What was it for you when your passion for Jesus was just so high? Was it the moment that you made a fresh start where where your life was just seemed desolate and with no hope, and then Jesus stepped in and saved the day? Was that the moment? Was it the first time that you got to serve in the house of God? And you're like, finally, I'm living out my calling. I'm doing what I was created to do. Was it the time that you brought that troubled family member to church and they experienced the love of Jesus for the very first time? For me, my first Sunday at the Hills, I was lonely. I was backslidden a country mile. And Pastor John brought an incredible word that day on Joshua. It was awesome. If you guys remember that, 2017. And band was blaring, I ran out of that grave. Boom. I almost ran on stage. I was pumped. I was white hot. I was so thankful because I had been doing life alone. I, had been do- I wasn't looking for Jesus, and he found me where I was and gave me purpose again. I was so thankful, ready to make a fresh start, ready to give, ready to serve, ready to become undignified as I needed to because it meant getting closer to Jesus. I was, I was ready. So back to Peter. 
So I would say his passion kind of stays pretty hot for a couple more hours, I would say. Uh, you see, my next thing, it says the ear faux pas. It's kind of ironic because I misspelled the word faux pas. <laughs> I'm an engineer, numbers, not letters. Easy. So to explain that scenario, when Jesus is apprehended by the Roman soldiers, Peter, so on fire, so pumped up, draws out a sword and cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers that touches Jesus. Another notable high in the passion column for Peter. But then things take a turn. And the one that he claimed he'd die for is arrested. And there, while warming himself by a fire, within earshot of his Savior, Peter denies even knowing who Jesus is. In less than 24 hours, Peter goes from, I'll give my life for you, to I don't even know that man. What happened? What caused his passion for Jesus to take such a dive? When I try to put myself in those scenarios, I mean, I'm sure he's afraid, naturally, yeah. He's confused. I mean, up until this point, his relationship with Jesus, his life with Jesus, it looked like miracles, fireside chats to explain the miracles because he didn't quite understand it. And it looked like bread literally becoming more bread. Like this was his walk with Jesus to this point. Maybe his expectations for his walk with Jesus didn't quite match his present reality. Passionate Peter probably expected Jesus to spring into action. And then they were going to fist fight all the soldiers and Jesus was going to take his place on the throne. I'm sure that's what he was expecting, but he didn't. And Jesus was beaten in front of him while Peter watched. And then he turned his back on his closest friend. His passion for the gospel, for the kingdom, for this calling on his life vanished in an instant. You ever been there? to these dreadful lows, maybe not to this extreme, to denying the the existence or your relationship with Jesus, but you have these moments where your passion just vanishes. Your zeal for all of this just goes away. What is it? I mean, is it stress? Is it fear about finances? Fear about your future? What is it? Too full of a calendar? What causes us to lose this zeal? Full disclosure, my passion had dipped. Life's happened. Work happens every day, yes. And like a slow leak, my passion and my heat began to dwither away. Now, the big issue, as I see it, is not the fact that Peter made a horrible mistake here. It's his response to it and the actions that follow that we need to hone in on and learn from today. Peter had let himself down. He went back on his bold words to give his life for this cause, and there was a fracture in his heart now. There was a fracture in that relationship with Jesus. But he was supposed to be on fire, man. He's the rock. He's Peter. And on this rock, Jesus is going to build the church. But as opposed to addressing this issue in his heart, Peter did what many of us do, and he just stayed really, really busy. Jesus dies. And in typical savior of the world fashion, he follows through with his word and he rises again. And this should be a moment of excitement for Peter, but where is Peter? Peter isolated himself from the disciples. So much so that when Jesus, uh, he resurrected, he, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, one of his followers. And he said, Mary, go tell the disciples and Peter that I have risen. 
Peter's not even in the, the, same, the same grouping as the disciples because he had cut himself off. Peter chose not to go to the root of the issue, the root of what was causing him to feel this way, and he gradually loses steam and his passion. So we cut to the last chapter of John, John 21. We have a broken, damaged Peter. And uh, Let's take a look in here at verse 3. It says, Simon Peter said to them, the other disciples, I'm going fishing. Stop there. He's going back to doing what he had done before Jesus had even called him. And they said to him, we are going with you also. Pretty amazing leader when you're doing something you clearly don't need to be doing and everybody still follows you anyway. I think that's important because Peter may have left his calling, or so he thought in this moment, but his calling never left him. He's still a remarkable leader. So they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Verse 4, but when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And then like Jesus to show up and we're where we don't need to be, doing what we're not called to do. And Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him like some angry teenagers, no. Verse 6, he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. In verse 7, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John speaking about himself here, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. A few things there. What's wrong with this image? Who here has swam before ever in your life? You know, my favorite part of the Beijing Olympics in 28 or 2008 was when Michael Phelps would get to the side of the pool and he'd start doing all this kind of shaking stuff. And then he would reach back and he would put on that beautiful robe and he would dive into the water. <laughs> you guys seen that? You must have missed it. You don't put on a robe to go swimming. You don't put on, I mean, it's going to drag you down. It's going to fill with water. It makes no sense for him to put on a robe here. You don't put on a robe to go swimming unless you're trying to cover something up. As opposed to having a real, a raw, a vulnerable moment with Jesus, Peter starts by putting his disciple robe back on. Because maybe Jesus won't realize that I'm where I'm not supposed to be. Maybe Jesus won't realize that I've lost passion. Maybe all the other disciples will still see me as this Peter, this leader. We do this. I call it the Sunday cleanup is what I've been calling it. You put on your nicest outfit. You get all the Cheetos and stuff out of your hair. And you take all those heart issues that you've been battling and you just just sweep those right under the rug. And you say, hey, I'm fine. I'm good. When people ask you, I'm doing great, doing good. But really, you're disconnected. And your flame's gotten dim. And you're covering up. Because that feels a whole lot more appropriate for a person in your position. And it looks a whole lot more appropriate for you just to be buttoned up and to be covered and good. I was here. I was too refined, supposedly too spiritually grown to have a moment of weakness. I was too involved here with leadership to to be vulnerable before God, vulnerable before you all. We feel off at times. We know we've been called to serve. Which brings me to a a takeaway today. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. Your responsibility for Jesus 
is not a substitute for your vulnerability with him. Your responsibility for Jesus is not a substitute for your vulnerability with him. We must look to our heart at the onset of these feelings. Why are we covering up? Why can't we be open and honest with Jesus and with our church family? Like Peter, we may fear Jesus' reaction. I'm sure that whole swim, very, very slow swim, he's practicing that opening line to Jesus. What am I going to say? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, oh, this is not what it looks like. I mean, what, 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 would, what would you be doing? He's probably cutting himself off from his own calling beforehand so it wouldn't hurt so bad when he heard it out of Jesus' yeah. mouth. He feared the worst judgment possible. But instead, he got breakfast. And he got a moment that was tailored exactly for him by his Savior. John 20 could have ended and we could have went on to the rest of the New Testament. But Jesus knew that Peter needed John 21. And he knew that each of us here today were going to need Peter really badly. So he creates this moment. Jump into verse 15. It says, So when they had eaten breakfast... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Now, this is a breakthrough verse. Peter is finally vulnerable before Jesus, but this conversation never hit me as truly vulnerable whenever I read it at surface level. But if you dive deeper and you look at the Greek definitions for the word love here, there's multiple words in the Greek for love. And we actually have a graphic here to, to help understand. For those, for those Greek speakers here at home, Jesus asks, do you love me? The word he uses for love is agapeo. It's where we get the word agape. It is a love that involves faithfulness and commitment and vulnerability and trust. It's God's love for us. Peter responds with, you know I love you. But the word Peter uses is a word called phileo. It means to be fond of to admire, to have a brotherly affection for. It's a lesser form of the word. For the first time in a while, Peter was honest with himself, and he was honest with Jesus. Let's read this verse again, but this time we're going to read it in the Jared Johnson Amplified Version. (laughs) If you guys haven't gotten it, go to Lifeway. You're going to love it. It's going to be a bit longer than anything you've read. But let's read this again, knowing the differences in the words that they use for love. It says in verse 15, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me with a sacrificial, unconditional, agape love? And Peter responded with, Lord, you know my heart. I once said I would die for you, but I failed and I've lost my way. And I can't claim that I love you like you loved me. But you know that I admire you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. This is important. Jesus' questions and his responses here speak volumes of his stance on this predicament that Peter found himself in. Jesus was more concerned about Peter's love for him than his usefulness to him in this moment. Peter finally comes broken at Jesus' feet and he confesses that I've lost passion. I've not loved you as I originally said I was going to. And Jesus responds with giving Peter influence and opportunity. And he even prophesies that Peter will ultimately give his life for the cause. It's Peter's own words coming to fruition. The key that unlocked this moment is Peter taking off that covering. 
and being vulnerable before his Lord. Hear me, heals, this morning. Jesus is first concerned with your love for him than the things that you do for him. This is our king. He longs for love and relationship with us and will go to any length to draw near to us. Look at this instance. Jesus literally pulled back time and space and he set the stage for Peter to get to redo his worst moment in his life. Every detail, fireside, his peers present, Jesus within earshot. He gives him this moment to tell Jesus how much he loved him. One time for every time he denied him. We must not be too busy or too refined or too covered up to be vulnerable before our Lord. He is fighting for relationship with us. And before you move a mountain or lead a team or perform any great deed for the kingdom of God, he's told us first to abide in his love. John 15, verse 9, Jesus says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. The order of operations here is critical. First, abide in his love. Second, love others. Third, everything else. It's so critical that we keep to that order. And the vision of the hills reflects this perfectly. Loving, giving, and living. If you don't abide in the love of God, you'll miss the other two portions of that completely. If giving and serving have become like heavy burdens, could there be a disconnect with the first step of this operation? Could you be needing to be vulnerable and run back to Jesus? Could you be needing to experience his love for you again? So often we get tired or frustrated and disconnected because we're trying to care, we're trying to serve, we're trying to give, we're trying to do these good things, but the well runs dry. And so often people in these moments, they think, I just got to find a new community. I got to get on a new team. I, I, I just got to be better than this. When in actuality, we just need to go to the well that never runs dry. Because a giver and a servant who isn't fueled by an honest and vulnerable love relationship with Jesus will grow weary and weary fast. If you feel off in your spirit, but you continue to cover up or brush it off, disregard it, are you abiding in the love of Jesus? He loves us wildly. And if we stay in a state of knowing how deeply cared for we are, then we'll have the ability to love others and to give generously and to live abundantly. Our passion level will not have these huge dips if we stay rooted and settled, knowing first and foremost, Jesus loves me. And he wants for us to have an intimate, honest relationship. And two, our relationship sustains and propels me to live out my calling of loving other people. So to my givers and my servants out there this morning, I invite you to lift up your head. Be vulnerable before the king of all kings and let his love build a fire in you that won't burn out. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this story, for this reminder of your love. Jesus, you didn't need this moment but you knew that Peter did. And you knew that we would need this story today. 
Lord, help us to take off any sort of covering, any walls that surround our hearts. Thank you for being big enough to handle us at our worst and for being ready and willing to pour out your love on us. Lord, I pray for those today who feel heavy laden, feel weary. Lord, it says your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So Lord, I pray you take off the weights that people feel today and replace that with an overwhelming sense of love and of care and of connection with you. And let us stay seated in the finished work of Jesus. Let us stay seated in the soul love, the agape love of God, that you so loved us that you sent your son to die in our place. Let us stay seated in that, God, and let that assurance propel us to our calling. We love you, Lord. All glory and honor and power be unto you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Woo!